Who's going to win the most important Rams position battle, the left tackle spot? And is Sean McVay here to stay? That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Ramley, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Rams, your daily podcast covering your Los Angeles Rams, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're also available over on YouTube, so if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Rams YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, and if you really want to support the channel, hit that like button. And let us know, who do you want to see win the job at left tackle, Joe Nopum or Alaric Jackson? Who do you think should be starting? Starting. My name is Doug McCain. My friends call me DMAC. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. I've been covering LA sports for over a decade. The Lakers for SI, the Dodgers for Dodgers Nation. Now the Rams for Locked On. And as always, I'm joined by the Rams pre-half and post-game show host for the Rams flagship radio station, ESPN 710 LA. He's entering his eighth season with the team, the people's champ, Mr. Travis Rogers. You can follow him on X at Travis Rogers. Today's episode of Locked On Rams is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and sign up with promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. On today's show, later, how serious should we take coaches' comments on players during the preseason? In our second segment, Sean McVay reveals his future career plans, but we begin with one of, if not the most important Rams position battles heading into the 2023 season, the left tackle spot. The showdown between Joe Nopum and Alaric Jackson. Two men enter, one man leaves. Trav, you ready to get into my man? I, I am. You you did throw me off a little bit by saying that you can follow the show on X. I'm still not quite used to uh, to that. But yes, other other than that, I am ready to go. I, I think we just need to call it the the artist formerly known as Twitter now X. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's going to take a lot of getting used yeah. to. But Sports <laughs> Illustrated's Albert Breer he visited Rams camp and he said that Joe Noboom has come back nicely off his Achilles. He's still going to have to compete to win the left tackle job. Alaric Jackson is in the mix, too. It's important that new O-line coach Ryan Wendell has options at the most important position. So let's get into this position because I think some of the big factors here are, one, Alaric Jackson, he's the guy that last year really was one of the surprises, was one of the positive developments for this offensive line that we know they were ravaged by injuries, 13 combinations for the first 13 weeks. That set a new NFL record. And really, he stepped up big, and I think he does have a legitimate chance to win this spot. I do, too. I, I think this comes back to something that I don't want to say that everybody kind of glazed over because I think everybody was aware of it, and we talked about it, and it obviously was a – a point of emphasis last year coming into the season, and it got definitely brought up a few times over the course of the season, but they're still looking for somebody to replace Andrew Whitworth. That I, I know that, that Joe Nopum was a guy that had played on the team that had filled in for Whitworth when Whitworth had been injured, but they, they have never really figured out what to do without big wit on that left side, big 77, not just because he was a great player, which he was, but the leadership that he brought to that offensive group. They have been in search of 
ever since he decided to retire. There was rumors about him coming back last season. There were rumors of the Bengals trying to bring him back because they needed a little help on their O-line, that this is a hole that got left that they have not filled over a season. No boom, of course, was a guy that, like I mentioned, had filled in a little bit right there, but this is it, right? And not just at left tackle, but most importantly at left tackle because that's what makes the entire offensive line go. This is a huge deal. I do think it's an open competition. I think that Joe Nopum was given a chance to get the job last year, did not thrive, given the opportunity, ultimately gets hurt. And now you've got A.J. Jackson and, and, and Nopum in a dogfight for the spot. Yeah, I love you bring out Andrew Whitworth because Sean McVay, he talked about that a few days ago. He said, I think you look at the big fella that was doing it at a high level for such a long period of time for us. He used to talk about production. And then it's funny getting to some, some real football talk. Sometimes it can just be a little flasher than others. But ultimately, if you're responsible for reaching an open side five technique, you keep him covered up to be able to run the B-gap press backside job. Well done. So it's getting to some very complicated offensive line. Yeah talk right there but i think for me the number one thing is may the best man win two men enter one man leaves and if the showdown is okay alec jackson proves that he is better at the position which he was when he played last year then i think that yeah absolutely you should go with him but i think we look at joe no boom the biggest thing for me is they paid him to be a starting left tackle, right? When you give a player a three-year deal for $40 million like they did last year, that gives you every indication that you want him to be a starter. His deal is something that I think they're going to really heavily consider, but I also think, too, there's a meritocracy. I think they are going to let Jackson win the job if he earns it, but there is this whole sunk policy fallacy, right? You go to see a movie, and the movie's bad, but you already pay for the ticket, so I'm going to finish the movie, right? But I think for him, if he doesn't win the job outright, I think you definitely have to give it to Jackson. Look, one of the things that I like the most about the way that the Rams have operated over the last five, eight years or so, they don't give a damn if they've spent the money. They they are not committed to just, well, we spent the money, we got to do, we got to do it anyway. I give them all the credit in the world because the the scenario that you just described, Mac, that that concept of you know sunk money. The Rams don't operate on that. They gave Jared Goff a hundred million dollars, and then eight seconds later they traded him. They gave Todd Gurley all the money in the world, and then eight seconds later said, "Bro, you got to go." They do not mess around like that. When they decide that you are not cutting it, that you are not pulling your weight, they move on to the next guy. Just because Joe Nopum has gotten paid does not mean that he's got a better opportunity to be that left tackle than Jackson does. Whoever plays better will be the left tackle, right? They, they do not have that. This is not Aaron Donald who has shown a, a legacy of great play at a position, and you're going to give him every benefit of the doubt until you he proves to you that he can't do it. That's not this. These are two guys that are both fighting for a spot, and just because one guy makes more money than the other on this team and this organization, I don't think it matters a whole hell of a lot. They've proven it at... Other positions of great importance, quarterback and running back, that just because you get paid doesn't mean you get to stay or doesn't mean you get to play. Yeah, I definitely think that's a big factor with this team. I think they have proven that in the past. We've seen that in the past. I think with no boom, yes, he is paid like an above average left tackle. But if they think Jackson is going to do a better job at keeping Matthew Stafford vertical, then I think you go that right. If you look at his pass blocking grade last year, it was at 60.1. If you look at Jackson's, it was at 69. So little better mm-hmm. numbers. I mean, Jackson's overall PF grade was at 64.1. So yeah, he definitely had flashes. Now, I think the interesting thing is both of them dealt with serious injuries and yeah. serious ailments last year. No boom. He played 
just six games, right? He missed the final 11 games of the season. Do that Achilles injury, suffer that Achilles injury against the Panthers at home. He's still recovering from that. By all accounts, he's recovered very well. And Jackson, he played in eight games. He started six. He missed tons of games. It was nine games with those blood clots at the end of the season. So it's not like we got to see him for a full year. Had we seen him for a full year, I think I'd feel better about it. But I still think when you consider that he performed better, you consider his positional versatility that I think is a factor too. Because, yep. I mean, if you look at no boom, his best position, of course, is left tackle. He's probably not going to slide to that left guard spot. So I think that's something they'll consider as well. Yeah, no boom can play inside. They have used him there before, but I agree with you, DMAC. His best spot is outside at, at left tackle. I think the advantage, if there is one, that Joe Nopum has, if we're looking at at big picture stuff, right, and not just necessarily this camp. And like I've said before, I've said, you know, the everydayers are probably rolling their eyes. They probably know what I'm getting ready to say right now, which is, you got to throw last year in the trash can. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't count. It the, the, everything was bad. Everything was wrong. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Uh, Joe Nopum did not have a good season. I'm not suggesting that he did. The but the good news is with with Nopum in particular, we've seen him play in the NFL at left tackle and play really well before. Now, never with the burden of, of having to be the everyday guy, and that's your responsibility. But we saw him fill in and fill in very capably for Matthew Stafford uh, a, a couple of years ago during that Super Bowl season with when, when uh, Andrew Whitworth went down. So we know he can do it. It's a matter of whether he can do it consistently. But I've seen him play at a high level. I didn't see it much last year, but I know it's in him. So I'm optimistic that they can find a way out. And if it doesn't, then you got A.J. Jackson who can step in and show that he can play in the NFL as well. Yeah, he has had his moments. You definitely have to point that out. And you don't know if he was even completely healthy last season. Yeah. He didn't look good, especially against the Bills, especially against Von Miller. And he definitely had his stretches where he just struggled mightily. But I will say Alaric Jackson is still an unproven commodity with a lot of upside and potential. It would be a very bold move to go to the UDFA over a guy that you paid that much money to. I think the Rams are an organization that would consider it. I, agree. I think, too, another factor, Alaric Jackson is an RFA next year, so he could be cheap. He could be someone you could retain. And I think that at some point, the Rams have to say, who is going to be our left tackle of the future? Because like I always say, if you don't have a left tackle. You're going to be left out. At some point, you have to fill those Andrew Whitworth shoes with someone that you can trust. I want to see Jackson, Avila, Shelton, Ankrum, and Havenstein. Those are my starters right now. But I mean, how do you feel about that? I think that's right. I think that's probably what it will be. I think that the one that you can kind of maybe squint a little bit and see Nopum on that left side as the starting position. And look, we, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, franchise quarterbacks and where the Rams are going to draft in, in 2024, that they have a first round pick for the first time uh, since they took Jared Goff back in 2016. That if they're not at the top of the heap, if they're not picking, you know, near the very, very top where those quarterbacks tend to go, then maybe this is the position that they look at. Then maybe this is that you start to build up that O line before you build up that quarterback spot. Give Matthew Stafford a little bit better protection. Give him some chances there. But th this is, you know, on offense, it's the second most put important position on the field. And right now, they got a question mark there. And Allard Jackson and Coleman Shelton both have been getting more snaps, more yep. opportunities with the one. So I think that's also important. But coming up in our next segment, Sean McVay gave us some insight into his future with the Rams. That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. All right, before we do that, D-Mac, let's talk a little bit about underdog fantasy. August is here, and you know what that means. The official start of fantasy football Drafting month. Get championship ready for your home team by trying out best ball on underdog fantasy. 
All you do is one live snake draft, no waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup every week, and you can try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament, the largest fantasy football contest of all time. It is back, and it is bigger than ever, with $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so make sure that you do not wait around. Here's what you do. You go to visit, or I should say you visit, underdogfantasy.com, or of course you can find them in the app store and sign up with the promo code locked on to get your first deposit doubled up to $100, a hundred bucks doubled. That's not bad. The underdog fantasy promo code, of course, is locked on. Go to fantasy underdogfantasy.com, or of course you can find them in the app store and get that first deposit doubled up with the promo code locked on. We are off and running here on locked on Rams. Thank you for making locked on Rams. Your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever you get your podcast, locked on Rams. Is part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And a special shout out to our everyday listeners. We appreciate you listening to every episode, watching every episode, and you can be an everyday listener too. Join the club. Membership is free, and you won't miss a thing about your Los Angeles Rams. But Travis, here in our second segment, we have to pick up on a topic that we've really discussed a couple times on this show, and that's the future of Sean McVay. How much longer will be the head coach of the Rams? Well, he recently yeah. said on a podcast you don't ever want to sit here and act like you can predict the future, but it's not something that I'm looking at as a short-term type of decision. My plan is that this is something that I'm committed to for the long term. So that's definitely music to Rams fans' ears for a guy that considered retirement last offseason. He looks like he's re-energized. He looks like he's reinvigorated. But what's your reaction to those comments? I, I, like you said, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. This is great news if you're a Rams fan. This is great news if you want to make sure that this team is in a position to succeed moving forward for more than just a season or two. That Sean McVay is one of those guys, right? They don't come around very often. The Rams were very fortunate to identify him early, to hire him perhaps maybe a little bit sooner than than typically guys are going to get hired. He was in his early 30s. This is still the youngest coach in the NFL despite going into his seventh season coaching this team. He's a two-time two Super Bowl participant. He is a Super Bowl champion. So we know what he brings. He changed culture in, in this organization, which to, in, in my opinion – is the single hardest thing to do for any coach is to change the the vibe in the room and change the culture. He did that and did it quickly. The only negative, I think, in Sean McVay, and, and it's really a pretty small one, but the the criticism, I think, and the thing that if you're if you're looking to poke holes is is he coming or going? That's two years in a row where the the thought, the idea, the rumor of is he going to come back has been there after the Super Bowl. There, it never really. I never really seriously considered it because of even with all the crazy money that Amazon was throwing around. Sean McVay just won the Super Bowl. He's not going to tap the mat at 36 years old and say, "Peace, I'm out of here." That it just didn't seem realistic. Last year, I thought he was gone. I, I really did. I, I thought that the weight of the season, the, the the intensity that he brings to everything that he does, maybe had become a, a little bit too much to handle, and maybe he's going to take uh, some time off. Clearly, he's reinvigorated. Clearly, he's energized and ready to go. And I think that he also understands that this am I coming or going thing 
is a bad look for him. It's the only thing on his resume that doesn't look great, and he's going to put it to bed. I would be stunned if we have any more is McVay coming or going talk for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I love that point right there, Travis. I mean, that to me is really just a yearly annual thing now. Is it the Tom Brady of coaches, right? We're waiting yeah. on just, is Sean McVay going to come back? We're waiting to hear from him. We're waiting to see if he has to go into that Rams locker room and be like Jordan Belfort in the Wolf of <laughs> Wall Street. I'm not leaving. I'm not effing leaving. This is my home. They're going to need a wrecking ball, right? We don't need to see that every single year with Sean McVay. A little stability would be nice, not having to worry about that. I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes in a cold sweat, <laughs> kind of worrying about Sean McVay's future with the Rams. I just can't take it much longer. But I think something, too, is that really I don't hear too many people talking about is, look, I mean, it's rare air to win a Super Bowl as a head coach. There's only been 21 yep. Super Bowl winning head coaches. Andy Reid became the 13th different coach to win two Super Bowls. There's only been four head coaches that have won three or more. Joe Gibbs with three, Walsh with three, Noel with three, and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady with six. Yeah, so, no, look, I mean, here, here's the thing. He's already on a short list. If he gets another one, he's on a crazy short list. And he could be one of those guys that you talk like Walsh, Belichick, you know, Reed, the, these guys that we talk about, not, you know, Shula and, and Chuck Knoll, that not just guys that were good coaches in this league, but that have accomplished more than almost anybody else that's come through that. He's not 40 yet. And that this is still coming up is is remarkable. That he can still that he could check these boxes on his resume before he's forty or forty five. This is usually something guys accomplish in their fifties and sixties, not in their thirties and forties. So he's so far ahead of the curve. And I said it at the time, and I'll say it again. I think he's the most important person in the entire organization. I think he's more important than Matthew Stafford. I think he's more important than Aaron Donald. I think he's more important than Cooper Cup because great players. They come and they go, and and that's just the way that it is. And, you know, if you last five years in this league, that's a good run. Head coaches, you get the right one. They can stick around for a really long time. He's definitely the right one, and I think he's the least replaceable player or person in, in your entire organization, and I'm happy to hear that he says that he's committed to it long term because you're not finding another one of those. They're, those guys do not come around very often, and when you get one, you got to hold on to them for as long as you can. Agree 100%. I echo all those sentiments. I think he's more important to his team as a head coach than any team in the yep. NFL. From what they did in the past, what they're going to do in the future. He became the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl at 36. My man got a statue at his alma mater at age 37. How many people are getting a statue at age 37? To your point, I kind of want to circle back and talk about the Amazon deal. Amazon Prime, yeah. they offered him a hundred million dollars a hundred million dollars so that is a ton of scratch right there and that's something that yeah i mean that's a lot of money but yeah he's in his prime as a head coach and i think that he needs to make it to the football hall of fame okay the broadcasting hall of fame i don't even know if that even is even a thing but i mean i'm pretty sure you're in that right but i mean yeah, the rich. pro football hall of fame is something that he can absolutely make one more title i think he's an absolute lock and i think he wants to continue to build his legacy in la i do find it interesting though one thing that kind of came to mind to me yesterday reading those comments is after the tom brady deal came out the 10 years 375 million he said well i'll tell you what seeing tom brady's potentially new deal i'm thinking what the hell am i doing coming back to coaching right now <laughs> look the money will be there i and very easy for me to say for you to say that to, to not take the you know 20 million dollars a year or whatever it is that he might ultimately get 
I, I know the Rams are compensating him really well. I know that there's all that look, his ability to do TV is not going anywhere. I believe that he will be on TV at some point. I just hope it's in the distant future because he's he's gonna you can do that as long as you want. But the thing that to, like you said, DMAC, that keeps you up at night, the reason I can sleep, he's a football coach. And and all of these guys that I've talked to, the juice of sitting there and calling Monday night football or Sunday night football is not the same as winning and losing. It's not the same as putting together a game plan. It's not the same of being in a locker room every day with your players, with your coaching staff, and competing to win. Being an observer and being a commentator does not carry that same amount of energy and adrenaline. And if we know anything about Sean McVay, dude feeds on that stuff. He's not walking away from it anytime soon. Absolutely. I think his competitive juices are so high. His passion is coaching. His passion is developing players and going out there from an X's and O's standpoint, just beating defenses. So I agree with you 100%. Yes, there is the whole work less, get paid more that the Amazon Prime deal would have given him, but that does not replace the juice. Look, Jeff Bezos is the richest guy on the planet, but hey, no team is going to hire him to be an NFL head coach, right? Nothing can right. replace that same fire. So, yeah, I do think the fact that he's won that Super Bowl, that changed everything. That took the pressure off of him knowing that, hey, we're going through this remodel, this little rebuild, this reset here, and then we can go after it once again. Only concern I would have would be that he would take a head coaching job elsewhere, but I still think the Rams, with all the resources they have, everything they've given him, SoFi Stadium, Stan Kroenke, they're going to do everything they can to win three, four, five Super Bowls and try to be a dynasty here in L.A. So I think he has everything he needs to optimize his success and really establish himself as one of the very best coaches in NFL history. And he's a, he he fits LA, right? Like I, that he's energetic, he's handsome, he's in TV commercials. Like I understand that there are other jobs that there are other jobs that, you know, maybe somebody would pay like Jerry Jones just to throw it out there something like that, but Jerry doesn't want somebody that's going to get the credit that I don't see him in in a place like New York there. There really aren't a lot of places for him to go that would give him the things that he needs as the head coach of the LA Rams. And like you mentioned, the fact that they're good, the fact that they're committed to winning, the fact that there's an ownership group that is clearly willing to do whatever it takes to win championships, and not just in the NFL, but in the NBA, in the NHL, that the Cronkies are committed to winning titles like Sean McVay is, I, I really don't see someone poaching him by dangling money for another football job. The TV thing is always going to be out there, but another coaching job, at least for the short term, I don't think is realistic. For sure. That's absolutely on the money right there. And I think, too, one of my favorite things about Sean McVay watching him during training camp, how many NFL head coaches are actually rushing the quarterback like he's doing? Breaking <laughs> I saw sweat out there doing work. I saw him covering Tyler Higby in a drill the other day at practice. I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I don't think Andy Reid is covering Travis Kelsey when they're doing uh, <laughs> drills in, in Kansas City camp. And I saw it. And by the way, out there, like putting his hands on him, running with him. I'm like, all right, let's 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 go get it. Exactly. I mean, he's one of the coaches that should actually just be in uniform just in case they need it, right? <laughs> Throw him out there in the nickel spot. But yeah, I do think he could use a McVeigh K sometime in the offseason to kind of unwind a little bit. He's very tightly wound. As you yeah. say, like, do you think that he's his balance will improve, do you think? I think as you get older, it typically does. I, I know I'm not an NFL head coach, but as a as someone who is no longer in their 30s and 40s, you do realize to prioritize some things that things get. I don't want to say if they, I don't know if they get easier, but you understand how to manage them a little bit better. That you understand that you can maybe spend a little bit less time on something and still get the same result. Uh, I, I hope that that happens for him. 
Um, but look, dude, dude's wired the way he's wired. I don't think he's ever going to be a put his feet up and watch TV kind of guy. I think that he's getting ready to do what he loves to do, and that's coach football. I agree 100%. But coming up in our final segment here, how serious should we take practice reports, especially from coaches like Sean McVay, when it comes to evaluating assessing players during the preseason? That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. And welcome back to Locked on Rams. Thank you for making Locked on Rams your first listen every single day. Free and available wherever you get your podcast. Locked on Rams, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, Travis, here in our final segment, we're talking about these practice reports, right? We're talking about... Hearing Sean McVay talk about Tutu Atwell and some of these rookies in Puka Nakua. Now, for me, I always take coaches speak with a grain of salt. I think when I hear players talk about players, that carries more weight with me. I do think it's important to just get a general sense of what direction they're heading towards as far as who's starting certain positions. But yeah, you saw last year, Allen Robinson, he was like the second coming of Jerry Rice, right? So I think you always have to consider that. I, I do too. Um, I, I kind of split it into two different categories. I think when you hear positives, you can flush it. I don't, I don't think it means anything. I think when a coach is negative and when a coach is critical of a player, I think that's meaningful because they don't do it very often, right? That when somebody says, you know, I didn't think I didn't like this at practice yesterday, and I thought that this was sloppy or this guy's out of shape or this guy was tired, I take those pretty seriously because even Coaches, generally speaking, are pretty positive individuals. Sean McVay, in particular, is a wildly positive and optimistic individual. So when he says something like, yeah, I thought the guys got tired and we need to make sure that we're in shape, my ears perk up. When you say that, yeah, he didn't look good today or he was getting beat today, my ears perk up because those those are not things you hear very often. If it's a so-and-so looks great and so-and-so is dominant, that's just one of those, okay, that's coach speak, but the negative stuff resonates a lot more with me. Absolutely. I think that to me is something I focus on more so than anything else. I think you're a head coach. You want to build up your guys. You want to give them confidence, especially early in camp. Last year, Lance McCutcheon, we saw how dominant he was during the preseason. Pretty much their preseason MVP. Then when the season started, he wasn't able to get very much separation. But I also think this year, though, I would say that I would allow the positive comments to at least mean a little more just because Matthew Stafford is back and he's healthy yeah. and he's building rapport and chemistry with some of these receivers. Last year, everything was unknown. It really didn't matter what Allen Robinson did because it wasn't with Matthew Stafford. So I think that is something. But I will say it's almost like when you start your class for any semester and you start with an A, right? You had 100%, yeah. and that's kind of where you're at. Yeah, I, I think that's it. And I think that with this team in particular, because it's as young as it is, and what's the number that the average NFL experience on this roster is less than two years. It's yeah. like 1.7 years on average. I think you're going to get even more positivity. I think you're going to get even more. I like the way that this guy looks and that guy looks, and I'm excited about this position group and that position group because – you're just trying to make guys feel good because they've never experienced it or the experience that they do have is very limited coming into this league. Um, I, I think with a veteran team, that means a little bit less. Like, and Obviously, last year's team was, was a veteran-heavy team. This is a little bit different. So the positivity, I think, is, is useful. I just don't know how uh, illuminating it is when it comes to whether or not they're going to be good. These guys are green, man. And just because they look good in a, in a practice environment, we're going to get to see them play on Saturday. We're going to get to see some joint workouts uh, after that against the, the Raiders and the Broncos. So I'm excited for those sorts of things. And the comments that come after that, I think will be more meaningful than the things we saw when they're going up against each other. Yeah. You bring up a great point right there that, 
it's definitely an indicator of who could be starting a position, which direction they're heading, but not if they're going to have success in the regular season against teams that aren't the Los Angeles Rams in the practice sessions, right? So yeah, that's a great point. It reminds me of those family newsletters that families sent out during the Christmas time. Like so-and-so made the honor. He's going to this college. He's doing this great stuff. They only tell you the good stuff, right? So yeah, I mean, I was never on those letters, by the way. Yeah, no, they, they never tell you about the nephew who got arrested and flunked out of school. That's never exactly. in the letter. <laughs> exactly. I'm talking about all the suspensions and the tardies from class and that kind of stuff. But, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, hey, all in all, I think there he is being more forthright than we've seen from him from years. And like you said earlier, that the fact that when you talk about negatively about a player and possibly some of these camp sessions, when he was frustrated with these rookies and their conditioning, I think he has sent a message through the media. So I will take the negatives more than I will take the positives. So I agree with you 100 percent on that one. Yeah, the, the negatives are not for us. It's for the player, right? It, it, because I, I guarantee you that the and this isn't even McVeigh specific. This is just coach specific. That they're going to go to the player first and say, "Hey, bro, you're out of shape. You need to get your you know what together because this isn't going to cut it." And their last chance to make that point is to do it publicly and maybe try to embarrass said player into getting their act together. But uh, yeah, th- that that this guy is struggling is rarely meant for us. It's meant for the player specifically. Yeah, and I think it's always different year by year for each coach for what they're trying to accomplish. Like what Sean Payton is doing. He's saying he doesn't want his starters to be wearing Gilligan hats in the second half. How many of those players even know who Gilligan is? Right? So, yeah, I think it's different from coach to coach. Absolutely. Red shirts, too. Not just the hats. Give them the, the red rugby shirt. And have them run around the sideline, 40 Gilligans. And just to buy him on that, that would be great. But that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Rams. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And you can follow the people's champ, Mr. Travis Rogers, at Travis Rogers. And until next time, whose house? It's Locked On Rams' house.